This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Step Back, a Mavs podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. We're going to talk Dirk retirement. We're going to talk season review. We're going to go over the the playoff standings, you know, uh, those start in a week. And we're just going to we're gonna just talk about where the Mavs go from here. Um, so we're going to give you a full season review and talk about a lot of other things tonight. But first, we're going to get it started by letting you listen to Drew Pock. Well, you have right now, step back. I like this, TK. TK. I like this, TK. I like that. Yes, yeah, the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Yeah, Look with the ball, tragic. yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Don't got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam. I spaz like Dallas, set out I'm rapping. God, if Lucas shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads, dang, go relax. Kill that a champ. Diva still coming with the calibers. All right, Matt. It's been an emotional last two days. The Dirk Nowitzki era is officially over. Um, you know, the, the last game versus the Spurs, it, it it didn't hold a candle to what happened the night before at American Airlines Center, you know, with, with Dirk scoring 30 points. And, uh, you know, they got the win. American Airlines Center was just roaring the entire night. They had the amazing ceremony afterwards with, you know, Dirk's basketball idols growing up. Uh, it, just just a wonderful night. Uh, there was no way the Spurs game on the road could have lived up to that, but it was still special nonetheless. And, I mean, what what are your, <laughs> what are your initial thoughts on these last two days? How are you holding up right now? I'm not crying. You're crying. I have actually, I mean, look, my wife and I, we were, we were watching that game last night and, uh, you know, we, we were watching the ceremony and towards the end of the ceremony, you know, I, I didn't think I would start crying, but then when Dirk was talking and when it was nearing the end and he was talking about, you know, he's not going anywhere, he's a Texan and see you soon, all that stuff. I, I couldn't help it. I, I had tears flowing. It was it was it was a emotional night for sure. I I didn't cry tonight, so you know I'm I'm doing better. But man, uh, it's been rough. I I didn't cry last night at the American Airlines Center. There were, there was a couple times during the ceremony where I sort of got a little you know teary eyed. Um, I don't think I was the only one in the press box who felt that way. But man, it was. Um, it was probably the coolest sporting event I've ever been to in my entire life. And I, I went to 
I've been to NBA playoff games. I've been to big time college bowl games. I've been to golf, huge golf tournaments. I've been to the Ryder Cup. I've been to Stanley Cup playoffs. I've been to everything pretty much NFL playoffs, and that was the coolest atmosphere I have ever experienced. And it was a really it like apparently pollen in Texas right now especially in Dallas is just like at an all-time worst. So my allergies have just been <laughs> off the charts. So so I'm sure it seemed like I was crying anyway. I saw uh I saw uh Johnny Opping who's a, a another uh Dallas sports writer and he writes for Real GM um during one of the timeouts. I had to go to the bathroom and get a Kleenex because uh, my allergies were so bad. And I was, he's, he walked in, and he was just like, he's kind of looked at me, he's like, hey, and I was like, oh, no, it's, it's a bad time to have allergies, I promise. <laughs> but it was... Uh, I'll be, I'll be the first intense. to say that pollen, I'll be the first to say that pollen is the devil, but, I mean, I I wouldn't blame you if it, if it wasn't the pollen doing that, because I feel like was, if you if you grew up watching Dirk, and I mean... Especially if you if you've been watching Dirk, and then you know like us, we've been covering Dirk, and it it all just that's all we know really. You know when it comes to basketball, we we don't really know uh, the Dallas Mavericks without Dirk Nowitzki. So I mean, it's natural to get emotional about it, and it was it, it's been a it's been a good last two days. It's been hard, been very emotional, but you know we we made it through it and. Now it's it's the next chapter for Dirk. He uh you know he gets to go travel with his family and like Mark Cuban said the other night, he's got a forever job with the Mavericks. I uh, he said he didn't really care what it was. You know he's gonna have some kind of role with the team going forward. So he he's gonna be around. He's just not gonna be on the court. Yeah. Well, story time. So yesterday was uh, a very emotionally taxing day for me. Like I. I I took like a mid-afternoon nap before the game, so I woke up and I was kind of running late a little bit, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I got to get going, so I was in a hurry the my entire way down there. And then as I'm driving, I think I texted you about this. As I was driving down there, this guy like I was in Victory Park, and this guy jumped in front of my car and reached like he reached his hand in his jacket and then pulled out his just his hand at like a gun at me and like faked like he was pulling the trigger and I was just like holy shit like this is not a good start to the day like who does and that it, I don't know he, he it was it was crazy and then he he did he did to another car too but then like so I'm running late so I'm like running to, into the American Airlines Center and I'm sweating and then we get upstairs, or I get upstairs and to the press box just to drop my stuff off so I can go to the locker room. And for the first time, literally in since I've covered the team, the upstairs press box has assigned seating. So I'm just like, oh my god, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me! So like, it you know we only have one seat, so TJ and I are trying to figure out what to do, and then. So I was like, you know what, this night's gonna be this night's already ruined. Like, but then once the game started, it was a complete shift because I'm like, oh my god, I'm watching Dirk for the final time in person, and everything was just perfect. Like literally from pregame warmups to every timeout, they had a tribute to Dirk on on the video screen, or they played some 
old commercial that he was in or something. Man, and, and it, it was and all the way through like to the last press conference like he instead of doing the usual locker room thing like Dirk came to the uh, press conference room and he spoke for about 15 minutes and kind of let us in on you know his decision to finally retire and which I thought was interesting he, you know it's he obviously kind of held some of that stuff back during the during the rest of the season but it was kind of eye opening you know the kind of pain and rehab that he was having to go through you know through the entire season i had no idea it was that bad so you know it's it's not really surprising that he's finally stepping away well that's another thing that made it so you know such a great day it wasn't just the game itself it it started beforehand you know they they showed dirk instead of driving his his car you know down the the tunnel or whatever he he got out and he walked down it and was high-fiving all the American Airlines Center staff and you know it it, it started with that and it just kind of snowballed from there and then uh you know he, he was talking about like before the game like when he was getting ready to uh to come to the American Airlines Center that you know he was kind of getting emotional then because he had just recently made the decision that he wasn't coming back and uh I mean it I don't know. I, I we won't get too much into this, but I do want to mention that I I would much rather have my you know my childhood sports hero, not even childhood, just overall sports hero, go out the way Dirk did compared to like how Dwayne Wade went out. You know, it was it was it was just Wade. It was just forced. I don't know if you saw that clip where he he faded out of bounds and crashed into John Legend and uh, held his hand up his for a wife, meme, right? Held the follow through for a meme, <laughs> right? And then like it, you can tell he even that just didn't. It just seemed forced, like it was staged. And oh yeah. Every every single thing with Dirk happening this year has been organic. You know, to the very last second in that ceremony, there were a lot of fans. We we all knew that it, there was a good chance he was going to retire, but we didn't know for sure. So when he said, this is my final home game, you could just hear the gasp in the arena. You know, it was <laughs> it was just great, man. I wouldn't well, change it for the world. Man, people, people reacted so strongly when he said that that I like couldn't really understand what he had said at first. So like I was sitting next next to Reese Conkle at the game, and I turned to Reese and I said, "Wait, what did he just say?" Shout out to Reese, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, and I was I was just like, "What did he just What did he just say?" And Reese is like, "He said it's his last home game," and I just went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> no, but also I I kind of after the game, you know, Jamal Jamal Crawford went off for fifty one or 50, yeah fifty one points, and it was it was a show for him too, but. Um, after the game, I was watching the Jumbotron and, like, you know, I was following Dirk around and, and he went up to Dirk and they hugged. And I swear Jamal Crawford said, Is that, is this it? Are you, or is, I think he said, Is this it? Or are you done? Or something like, something along those lines. And Dirk just looked at him and said, Yeah. So, like, I was, I, I swear that's what he said. So I was prepared. I was kind of prepared for it. But even when he said it, I was just, you know, when he officially said it, I was just like, "Ah!" All right, let me. Like it was, it was a shot. Let me ask you this, and I joked about this on Twitter last night, but 
I want to ask you and, and see what you think. What are the chances we could see a Brett Favre move from Dirk here? You know, they they land Zion in the draft. They they stop convince Kevin Durant to <laughs> sign with them. You're telling me Dirk wouldn't think about coming back next season if that yes. happened. I'm telling you, Dirk won't think about it because, and here's why. You know, I don't know if you watched the the full press conference. Um, I'm sure you did, but yeah, we we recorded it and we put it up on DallasBasketball.com if anybody wants to go watch it, but. He talked about all the stuff that he has to go through just to get ready to play one game. Like injections down to the bone, multiple injections down to the bone. Rick uh, Carlisle talking Rick Carlisle talking about all those needles and he said oh, it was yeah. some dude with w- weird hair that came in every game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did that right. When he and, started saying that I was like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah, like injections and constant rehab and you know, the arthritis that he has and it's just like he, he. I just, I just don't think he was having fun anymore. I mean, that's what he said. He said like, he he said he wasn't having fun anymore. And you know, when you, when you get to a point like that, it's just, it's very hard to to keep going. Even if you have a chance to, you know, luck out and get Zion or sign KD, which you know, odds are very low on that. But yeah, you know, it's what might happen. But even if that happens. He's still going to be a part of the organization. Um, I, I think you know he'll he'll be around and they'll carve out a really unique role for him to contribute in some way. And you know because he's a, I you know, I hate being this cheesy, but he's an MMFL or MFFL. He's you know he's he's a math for life. So he'll always be around. Well, you know, I'm sure he'll, and I'm, I'm sure he'll practice with the team sometimes. Like he'll just walk in and start shooting with guys and stuff, and he might get the itch. But you know, as soon as he played plays one game, or if he came back, if he played one game, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is why I quit." <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's gonna his knowledge and what he's gonna be teaching. I don't think he's gonna be like a like I don't think his technical title is gonna be a player development guy or whatever but I could see him having a similar role like what Steve Nash has with the Golden State Warriors he's just some kind of player consult or something Uh, I could see him having a role like that and I think he's going to continue to have a really big influence on the Mavs young guys Um, now the one thing I'm going to you know miss the most you you always hear people talk about how you know the or other players teammates they talk about Dirk's work ethic and he's always the last person in the gym and uh, always the first person in the gym and just going the extra mile you know it's gonna you kind of want your your young guys to continue to see that so they're not going to see that anymore but I mean hey what can you do uh, I think the Mavs are in good hands with Luca and uh, Kristaps Porzingis and uh, I'm just I'm glad that Luca got a full year around Dirk and uh, it's, it was something special. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think Dirk probably instilled a lot of that into Luca and, you know, the limited time he had with KP, but you know, like I said, he'll be around and he, he'll probably still have a big influence on what's going on in there. You know, they might not have the, the guy that's in there before them pushing them, you know, at the very beginning, but he'll, you know, he'll always be around yeah. and, and, um, you know, I think Luca and KP both can still learn a lot from him and it'll be, 
it'll be fun to watch how, you know, <clears throat> Rick Carlisle said that um, when Reggie Miller left Indiana after spending 18 years there, um, that it wasn't really the same, and it took them a couple years to adjust. And um, I'm interested to see if it's the same way, you know, because well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Reggie was as was as involved with the Pacers as Dirk's going to be with the Mavericks or not, but it's it's going to be interesting to see. Well, that that's what's so interesting to me is the timing of it all. I don't think it's going to be, you know, when when the Pacers lost Reggie Miller, they didn't have a guy like Luka Doncic just waiting there to take over. Uh, so hey, I mean, they had run our test. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're joking, but, but but no, like really, like how Matt, how lucky are we that? The Dirk era just ended, and it was um, it was an amazing ride. We've watched him our pretty much our entire lives. We've covered him the past several years, and you know that that era has come to an end. And then the Luca and Porzingis era just falls into our laps. Like how how hashtag blessed are we? Yeah, it's pretty poetic. <laughs> it's like. Uh... I don't know, man. It's like a the Mavericks are a phoenix, and they just burned out. And now they're about to rise back up out of the ashes. It's kind of it's it's very lucky. I I don't know how else to describe it. It's extremely lucky. Um, and another thing about the timing, I want to just add to to the last thing I said. You know, it's not like Dirk playing as long as he did enabled the Mavs to kind of get better set up for you know the the post Dirk era uh you know if he had retired when he was you know after his 17th 18th season something like that it may be a different story right now but being that he played as long as he did and you know he waited until we uh, we got Luca and I mean Jalen Brunson I'm sure he's he's learned a lot this year from him too we we don't talk about that you know he's kind of a he's kind of a pro uh, a, one of those rookies that that's also a you know, already looks like a uh, real professional from the get-go. So, I mean, I, I think he's probably learned a lot too. But, you know, just the timing of it all, Dirk coming in, it was his last season. But we already had these guys in place. And they kind of took over. They already had the reins. Dirk was just there guiding them along the way. So, he had his moment at the end. You know, he got to shine. He had a... He had 30 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists in his final home game. He had a 20-point double-double in San Antonio. The last player to do that was his buddy Steve Nash in 2014. I mean, it's just – it's been special. But, I mean, he the young guys had already taken over the reins, and he just got his glory here at the end. And he made his last shot. Yes. (laughs) Incredible. I love that. And did you see Pop? Man, that <laughs> during that that was so, I thought that was so cool. I mean, the the first of all, Pop was in one of Dirk's tribute videos. They have a tremendous amount of respect for one another. But <laughs> Dirk got the ball at you know his spot at the top of the key, and there was a help defender coming over, and Pop just started waving him <laughs> off. He's like, "No, get the hell away from him!" Like, he, if I swear, if he had missed that shot, who, who, whoever he shot it on Eubanks or whatever. If if he had made that shot, that dude would have gotten cut 
like he wanted Dirk to make that shot so bad. And then when he made when he made the shot, uh, he started you know Pop started clapping, and and then Dirk got called off, and it you know it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Mav's Twitter was going absolutely nuts the entire night. I mean nobody nobody really cared if they if they won or lost the game at this point because like I said the the Phoenix game was was the the real the real thing you know and everybody wanted him to win that one his last home game nobody really cared about this game they just wanted him to you know go out the right way but it was funny watching Mavs Twitter fall apart every time they doubled Dirk <laughs> man. But, uh, in the in the last home game, Mikael Bridges came over with like ten seconds left on Dirk's last touch of the game, right when he was about to get a shot up and doubled him, and everybody was just booing his ass off. <laughs> and it was, I was just like, at, at first I couldn't really tell who it was, and I was just like, oh my god, who the hell is this guy? Like, why is he doing this? But you know, it was it was fine. Dirk thought it was funny, and and look before. Like I said, I I got all my I I thought I had gotten all of my tears out, you know, at at the closing of the ceremony, the night before, uh, but then like before the Spurs game started, they they played this great tribute for Dirk, and it had him in tears, and when I saw Dirk start crying, I was like, you know, I, anybody listening to this, if you follow me on Twitter. You know how I love that Mavs cat. Well, when I saw the <laughs> when I saw Dirk starting to cry in the starting lineup uh, announcements before that game, after that tribute, I, I mean, it, just imagine me in that Mavs cat screaming, you know, position. That that's how I, I almost started to cry again when I saw that. It was just it was too much. I was fine after that, but man, that was. What a class move by the Spurs. I mean, you, you hate the Spurs, but you also respect the Spurs. So, Man, that, that was nice. I think the only team I hated more than the Spurs throughout my basketball life, and really this started, you know, after they got Tim Duncan and started winning all those championships, but the only team I ever hated more was the Lakers. Um, and I used to like the Rockets. Not, you know, not like them, but, like, I loved Hakeem and, and I liked when they had Charles Barkley and Clyde Drexler, but it's I, I developed this like begrudging respect <laughs> for the Spurs. I mean, they're they're really just like the most class organization, probably in the NBA, maybe even in sports. And Pop is just fantastic, and you know they've been the Mavs' big brother for twenty years now, and we got by them once in the playoffs, and for them to go out of their way to do that for Dirk when they didn't have to is just a great example of how class of an organization they really are. And I really, I, I'm going to probably be a closet Spurs fan for the rest of my life now just because of that, because I can't, I can't get over how cool that was that they did that. All right, I'm going to stop you there. I think that's going a little too far. You, well, you not can't. like, okay, not closet Spurs fan, but <laughs> when the Maverick, like in the playoffs this year, I'm going to be cheering for the Spurs. I'll put it that way. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I still don't think I'm gonna cheer for him in the playoffs. But I, I mean, I I get your, I get what you're getting at. <laughs> that's that's fine, man. I mean, they're they're not gonna get past Golden State or Denver. I'm just gonna pull for them, and 
and hope that they get farther. You know, this might be Pops last year, so I kind of want him to be able to go out on top. Yeah. And well, hey, a favor for a favor, right? Not if it involves a championship. If they win a first, you know, if they if they knock out the Warriors as the one seed, you know, go for it. <laughs> but if if it involves them getting another title, I say nay. Uh, but whatever, man. I mean, the Bucks are probably going to win it all anyway. But wait, just, anyway, just, but we'll get to that later. Just a side note here: you're talking about you know how you kind of mostly hated the Lakers, you know, growing up. Isn't it amazing how some franchises never change? And you know, the Lakers are as annoying now as they ever were. And <laughs> it's it's, a, a, it's it's a clown car. The Lakers are a clown car. It just. It, Things just don't change. I mean, the Lakers, they're annoying. The Knicks, they, they're they almost equally annoying. But, you know, they don't have the, you know, the titles to lean back on. And they don't really have, like, a reason to be as annoying as they are. But they're in New York, so they think, oh, we're big shots. But, you know, I mean, all these teams, uh, they, they've kind of stayed the same throughout the years as far as, like, how they're perceived yeah, I actually think the NBA is better when the Lakers and the Knicks are terrible. Um, not only for me personally, but just from like a, a macro perspective, like it it makes the rest of the NBA more interesting, and it it kind of creates this more balanced uh, this more balanced league when all the stars aren't flocking to LA. I mean, nobody ever gave a shit about New York, but. Um, like when there's not a mil- like you remember when uh, Gary Payton and Carl Malone went to LA and everybody was just like oh my god here we go and it was, <laughs> they just got crushed in the finals by by Detroit like I don't know it, it's just it's very nice that there's non traditional powers at the top of both conferences right now um, right and that you know Boston even is only fourth in the East and. Well, and that it, it's it's just nice that it's different now. Yeah, and I mean even even the Warriors, you know, they've they've caught a lot more flack ever since Kevin Durant arrived. But you know, you take Kevin Durant and Draymond Green out of the equation, I mean that that's a pretty likable team. I mean, it's kind of eh. No, I'm gonna stop you there for a second. <laughs> I mean, I come mean, on, man. <laughs> Steph I don't, Curry. Steph I don't like Curry, anything about the Warriors at all. Steph Curry's gotten a little you know, a little bit more arrogant during this, you know, dominant period the Warriors have had. But, you know, uh, Clay, Curry, uh, Steve oh, Kerr. <laughs> Steve Kerr is awesome. I mean, how can you not like Steve Kerr? Clay's just uh, a stoner, man. I don't hate Clay. <laughs> I mean, Clay's awesome. I think he would, you know, I, I'm actually pulling for Clay to, to realize that he needs to play alongside Luka. This summer, that'd be amazing, Clay. If you're listening to this, come on to Dallas, buddy. Yeah, be great. Yeah, no, uh, he's gonna see that Draymond and uh, Draymond's, you know, are obviously already on a decline. He's gonna see that KD's gonna go probably New York, and then all they're gonna have left are him and Steph, and be like, you know what? Why don't I just jump on the next train, and you know, weed will be legal in Texas for too long, so you know, just it'll be fine. Yeah, he'd be absolutely <laughs> amazing in Dallas. I mean, he'd be amazing a lot of places, but just the not just talking about how good he is as a basketball player, but just how good of a fit 
he would be next to Luca, and you know, playing in Rick Carlisle's system, it's just it'd be a match made in heaven. So. Oh yeah, it would be perfect. But. But we'll talk a little bit more, you know, about uh, free agency, and we'll talk about the uh, the final lottery standings, and you know, give a uh, a little season in review uh, segment here. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hang tight. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, Matt, we're going to just do like a, a quick season and review segment here. Uh, the Mavs, they finished the year. 33 and 49 that's nine more wins than what they had the the season before uh you know obviously the the mid-season trade had you know a little bit to do with that in my opinion but uh i mean i i don't know i i, I predicted them to win 44 games you know they were 11 off of that uh the funny thing is that even if they would have won the 44 games that i predicted that still wouldn't have been enough for them to make the playoffs in the West this year because the Clippers, they're locked in as the eight seed and they're 47 and 34. So the West is absolutely insane. There's only ten win. There's only a ten win difference between the Warriors and the Clippers from the one seed to the eight seed. So you know parity is is pretty is pretty solid now, and I think it's going to make for a really fun NBA playoffs. But just this season as a whole, what what was your you know favorite storyline aside from you know what we've experienced with Dirk these last few days? Um, that's tough. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, for for a losing season, there's a lot of stuff to consider. Yeah, I mean, for a 33 win team, there's a lot of different things that went on this year that, um. I mean, I had a lot of highs and I had a lot of lows. I mean, the for the most part, I thought it was a pretty successful season. You know, despite the record. I mean, you laid the you laid the foundation for your future. You found some young guys that you know kind of took the next step and will continue to take the next step. Like you know, like Maxi, and you know, Brunson ended up being a nice surprise. Um, but I think. My favorite thing from the entire season was Luca was so much better than I could have ever possibly imagined him being as a rookie. Right. And it, we already thought he was going to be good, so. <laughs> yeah, and it, it completely blew my mind. I mean, Luca mania was like a real, real thing. And that was so cool to experience. It was everywhere. It's a national thing. It's not just. It's not just in Dallas. He already has. He's already painted on the side of a building here. The ringers making music about him. He's gonna blow Trey Young out of the water for Rookie of the Year. Um, By the way, go check out my piece on DallasBasketball.com. Yeah. <laughs> Do not believe the hype with the national media. It's not going to be close. Just, just go read that piece. Look at all the stats. The, it's going. It's going to be a blowout. I'm telling you. The quote-unquote national media. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it, he was. He was so. He broke every expectation that I po possibly could have had, and. 
Um, that's that's probably the my biggest takeaway from the whole year. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, and just to just to add to your you know your Luca point there, I haven't checked lately. I actually you know I don't I forgot where I need to go to check this, but at one point in the season, the Mavs were like either second or third in road attendance. And that was all because of Luca. I mean, especially earlier in the season because, you know, people didn't know if this was Dirk's last season or not. You know, towards the end of the year, I'm sure a lot of people were coming just to see Dirk one last time. But I remember earlier in the season, you know, when I was down in New Orleans for the Mavs-Pelicans games, you know, I've, I've never seen that many Mavs fans in New Orleans before. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. People coming from all over just to see this this basketball prodigy that's just exploded onto the scene and, like you said, surpassed all of our expectations. He's he's already, you know, popular all around the league. And, you know, he's, he's really popular all around the world. And, I mean, it, it's just been amazing to watch. Uh, since, you, since you used that as your... Uh, you know your biggest highlight of the season. I'm gonna go a, I'm gonna go a different direction here, and it's gonna be the trade deadline, and not just, not just the Kristaps Porzingis trade because, you know that was already huge. Uh, you know I, before the season started, if you would have told me that we could, and I mean I was really high on Dennis Smith Jr., but. If you had told me before the season that we would have been able to turn him and some expiring contracts and, you know, some protected picks uh, that are probably not going to be very good picks by the time the Knicks get those picks, I would have probably, you know, been pessimistic about that. And I'm usually the most optimistic Mavs fan out there, but... uh, Ever. Ever. (laughs) But, you know, if you had told me that before the season... I would have told you it, it's probably going to take a little bit more to do that. So that was incredible. It shocked the entire NBA community. Uh, and then a week later, they trade Harrison Barnes to the Kings for basically just Justin Jackson. You know, shout out to Zach Randolph, who was a Maverick for a hot two minutes. And, uh, you know, that was basically just a salary dump deal. But, you know, the way Justin Jackson's played – in this last stretch of the season, you know, he he looks like he could be a uh, a really good, you know, eighth, ninth man on the roster, you know, contributing off the bench. Uh, so, I mean, that, that was good for them, too. They Not only did you get Porzingis, and you did have to take on some salary with Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, but uh, you also turned right back around and opened up cap space for the summer uh, regardless of that trade. So you get Porzingis, you still got $30 million in cap space for the summer. I mean, Donnie Nelson, the, the last 10 months for Donnie, he's just on fire. So I I don't know. The Depending on how things go in the draft lottery, you know, it could just continue getting better from here. But, you know, at, at some point you start to feel a little bit greedy about it because <laughs> because the last 10 months, you know, we've – it's just amazing how much the Mavs' future has changed since then. Ever since they got Luka, and then they added Porzingis, 
and you know the, the there's just so many options going into this summer so uh you know we'll we'll branch off of that if you want to and look at the final uh standings on tankathon uh sure you know with with the mavs losing tonight and the grizzlies just came out and you know destroyed the warriors on the final game of the season uh it's the mavs it's the pelicans and it's the Memphis Grizzlies. They all finish with a 33 and 49 record, so that means there is a three-way tie for the seventh best odds. And sweet, you know, <laughs> which I know, I know you're not thrilled about that, but you know it could have turned out a lot worse. You know they could have had sole possession of ninth or whatever, but could it have um, Dalton? Could it be worse? Yeah, it could be worse. Are you sure that they couldn't be ahead of Atlanta right now? Had they just done what they were supposed to do and start solid well, point guard for three games in a row? You can't. You can't go about it that way, man. Come on. You it's, can't do that. I think we were talking about this yesterday, maybe. Just the two of us. But, man, <clears throat> I'm so disappointed. Like, <laughs> I'm... I'm that that gif of the guy standing in the rain with Russell Crowe from the musical <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that that's me with these lottery odds right now. It's I think I think it's David Tennant. I'm I'm David Tennant in the rain right now, man. It's <clears throat> it's I'm in a dark place. Dirk's yeah. gone. Well, the Mavs screwed up their lottery odds. I mean, thank God for Memphis. Like. I don't know how they blew out. I don't. I guess nobody played for Golden State. I, I didn't watch the game. I don't know what happened, but all I know is looking at you know there was like a minute left and the Grizz were up like one twenty seven to one ten or something like that. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. And I'm pretty sure. I mean, I I, I watched a little bit of that game early on, and Kevin Durant and Clay were playing. I don't know if Curry and the rest of the guys were, but I know those two guys were playing. And I was just thinking like, okay, well, there's no way the Grizz are gonna pull this one out but alas it happened uh yeah but i mean just it it's the reason it's so disappointing is because they had the schedule to get ahead of atlanta and like the way atlanta was surging and the mavs were just cratering it was like it was meant to be and then you know oklahoma city and golden state and um who was the other team they beat they weren't supposed to beat uh, yeah, I mean, they just—they all just decided to shit the bed, and it was just like, oh, Philadelphia. It was just like, great, thanks. Like, of course, you know, three of the top, you know, seven or eight teams in the NBA are gonna just choose to have their some of their worst nights of the season when the Mavs are playing right. Them. And it's just like, oh God. But you know, well, it all happens look. for a reason. Maybe they'll be the Sacramento of this year. Yeah, that's that's what somebody said earlier. You know, the Kings they they finished the season off strong last year, and ended up uh, seventh in the in the lottery standings, and they ended up getting Marvin Bagley out of that deal. So I mean, if the Mavs can end up jumping into the you know the top four, you know this year they have a chance to jump into the top four. In previous years, the lottery was just done for the top three picks. And it, for those wondering, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna like stand in a circle and just start flipping coins for this. You know, for 
uh, for Tide, I'm, I'm reading this directly from, from tankathon.com, but Tide, Tide lottery teams split their ping pong balls evenly and any odd remainder and the better draft order position are given to the random drawing winner. So, you know, they're, so 7th, 8th, and ninth, they're going to split those ping pong balls evenly. And then if there's anything, you know, if the odds, if it comes out odd or whatever and they have something left over, then they'll have a random drawing to see who has the slightly better odds. This is what happened last year with the Mavs and Hawks. They tied for third. Uh, they split the odds. There was like a fraction of better odds that they, you know, did a drawing for. The Mavs won it. And it resulted in them moving down two spots. So, you know, <laughs> you, you never know. And I'm... I mentioned this earlier today too. Uh, the Mavs have been to the lottery 15 times before this season, and they've stayed where they're at nine times, and they've moved down six times. So they've they've never gone up ever. Like that has to happen eventually, right? Yeah, but also there's no history to suggest that it will. So I'm I mean that, I'm very pe- you know how pessimistic I am about all this. Like I told you the other day, like I've very little emotional capital left to spend on the Mavericks. Like I spent just about everything I have left on Dirk the last two days. Yeah. And so I, I like I have I I just at this point, like I just don't care anymore about the lottery. Like whatever happens, happens. I'm just well, I'm I'm waiting for July. Like I, I just I honestly just don't care. And I you know, I wrote a I wrote a piece a, a while back about how bad the Mavs lottery luck has been uh you know, in their franchise history. And I remember there was there was somebody that either replied to it or commented or something was just like, you know, that, that has the, the lottery odds don't care about how you feel about it. Well, I mean, obviously they don't. I mean, odds are odds, you know. Yeah. Just because you feel like something's going to happen doesn't mean it will. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, if you, if you do it so many times, I mean, you, you've got to think they're eventually – uh, gonna have a little bit more good fortune than what they have, so I mean I don't know I, I I love the new lottery reform. You know they've got a much better chance. Even if they had ended up at ninth, you know, uh, and had sole possession of ninth this year, they would have had the same percentage of you know getting the number one pick as the sixth spot would have last year. So that's how much it's changed. Uh, looking at it right now, they'd have a a 26.3 chance of jumping into the top four. So, I mean, that's that's not nothing. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it's not nothing. Um, I don't know. It <clears throat> It's hard to imagine anything going the Mavericks' way in, in the lottery. Like, unless people, you know, agree that it's rigged, like I've said over the last... <laughs> however many years there's been a lottery like if it's rigged then maybe the league wants the mavericks to start getting you know premium draft picks nah. since they already have luca the- but other than that like i just they just don't have good luck there like literally their best the the best two acquisitions they've ever made in the nba draft really the best three if you count steve nash were through trade so you well, know, it is just what the it way is. the way I mean, you we, we've talked about the Mavs' bad luck 
uh, and there not being any history there to suggest that we should, you know, expect anything different this time around. But, uh, I mean, ever since the lottery last year when they moved down to fifth, everything that's happened since then has been good for the maps. I mean, other than Dirk retiring, obviously, but well, you know, from a from a player acquisition standpoint, yeah, right. There's other things that have been not so good that, you know, but, but an, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not, you know, bef- when we were hoping to win the lottery last year, I don't think the team was in a position to where it's like, okay, if we don't get our guy, we'll be just fine. And, you know, this year, with Luca living up and surpassing ex- expectations and looking like a you know, bona fide superstar going forward, even if they don't win the lottery this year and they have to give the pick to Atlanta, it's like, okay, well, we still have Luca and Kristaps Porzingis and we have $30 million in cap space. So, you know, it's not – it's a completely different situation. There's not as much pressure. You know, they finished out the season strong. It wasn't, you know, blatant tanking. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the basketball gods can – you know, look down on that and think we we deserve a reward this year or something like that. Probably won't happen. You know, the odds say that it will not happen or it's not likely to happen, but uh, there's a chance. So, uh, I don't know. It'll be fun. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that going I mean, forward. We'll find out in about a month, I guess, right? Yep, yep, May 14th. So, we have got a little over a month, about four and a half weeks. <clears throat> well, and we'll see where it goes. I, I, I will promise you this, though. I will not write any draft content until I'm assured that they have a pick. <laughs> yeah, until we know for sure that we're going to get one. But I, I already told you this a while back. Uh, even if they don't get the pick, I'm more than happy to write some second-round uh, draft profiles because there are some guys I really like. Uh, we're going to have, you know, a couple of people on here to to talk about you know the draft whether we keep the first round pick or not you know there's still some some good players this year in that early second round uh range that the Mavs could find a prospect that can help them out going forward so uh we'll talk about that a little bit more uh in the future uh right now you know we've kind of we've gone over you know, what our favorite part of the season was. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Dirk and we've talked about where the Mavs stand now as they head into the lottery. Uh, Let's just quickly, you know, look at the NBA playoffs. You know, the Mavs, this will be the third straight season. They haven't made it. Uh, They seem seem primed to, you know, break that uh, skid next season. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But right now... Here's your matchups in the West, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call these out, and then we'll do the East. We'll just give like our favorite our favorite match first round matchup in each conference. But in the West, you've got the Warriors and the Clippers. You've got the Nuggets and the Spurs. And just a quick note here: this is you know as we're recording, this is subject to change. But you've got the Rockets and you've got the Thunder and you've got the Blazers and you've got the Jazz. What's your what's what's the most intriguing Western Conference matchup for you in that Western Conference? Ooh, the most intriguing Western Conference matchup for me in the Western Conference, huh? 
Yes. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> no, don't. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> no, honestly, I, I think I think it's Denver and San Antonio. Um, and that's because... Oh, I just feel like that's... I don't know. I, I look at Denver and San Antonio, and I'm thinking, like, man, that, that has potential to be really boring. I don't know what you see there. Okay, this is what I see. I see... <laughs> Denver, who is you know kind of taking the league by storm, you know that they're way better than anybody thought they were going to be. I don't think anybody expected them to be challenging Golden State for the number one seed for the majority of the year. Um, and they have next to zero playoff experience on their roster. And then you have San Antonio, who has the most experienced coach in the playoffs. DeRozan, who's been in the playoffs for for, for a, he dude, come on, he has playoff experience. Shut up. He does, but he also chokes a lot. But there's plenty of players on that roster that have playoff experience. Okay, I, I, look, I'll, I'll give so this. I, I'll, I'll I give think, this. I think just hear me out. I think I think San Antonio is going to come come out and hit them in the mouth really early, and maybe Talon went out, but I think they have a chance to to pull an upset in that series. And I, I I'm not saying that just, like just be. I know earlier I was. You know, on the Greg Popovich teat, but that, that, has, that has nothing to do with this. I promise. I, I really think they have a legit shot to move on to the next round, and then you know that I don't think they're going to get much farther than that. But well, I think they have a legit shot because you know Denver's never had to deal with that kind of atmosphere before. There's not a single player on their roster that, except for like Isaiah Thomas, who's been in the playoffs before that I can, at least that I can think of. Maybe Paul Millsap. I'll give this to DeRozan. You know, I I said that earlier, but, you know, his playoff shortcomings have mostly come at the hands of LeBron. So Thank he you. doesn't he doesn't have to worry he doesn't have to worry about that this year. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. I think you know, the Spurs, they're a really good three point shooting team, uh, but they don't take a lot of them. You know, they, they kind of mid range you to death as I like to as I like to say, I said it throughout this season. Every time the Mavs played the Spurs, Aldridge and DeRozan, they just oh, they're relentless with those mid-range shots. <laughs> but you know the the Nuggets, they I think the volume of three-point shooting will will kind of determine that series. I think the Nuggets will eventually pull it out. I could, I mean, I could see them challenge. I can see the Spurs challenging the Nuggets, but overall. I'm going to go a different direction. I think the Rockets and the Thunder would be the most intriguing first-round matchup in the West because you've got uh, James Harden versus his old team. You've got Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Paul George, you know, he played at a uh, MVP level for the majority of the season. He tapered it off a little bit towards the end. But uh, Russell Westbrook, it's his third straight season averaging a triple-double. Uh, they almost won 50 games. There's only four games difference between those two teams. I mean, I, I think, I think that has potential to be a really fun series. I could see it going seven. Uh, I, I don't know. I, as far as upsets go, and you know, seeding, I, there's really not much you can be surprised at because, like I said, the parity in the West is just amazing. But I mean, I could see Oklahoma City upsetting the Rockets in the first round and that would please me so <laughs> no that would please me beyond 
<clears throat> beyond anything. I hate the Rockets uh, with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. And with every, and let me say this, and, and with every playoff loss, every playoff series loss that the Rockets have, it'll make that Chris Paul contract look even even worse going forward because he's only getting older, older, and they're paying him a ton of money, so that could potentially hamstring them going forward. No, yeah, for sure, and <clears throat> that's the best offensive team probably in the NBA, or you know, at least one of the toughest to stop and against one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. So it's kind of be like, you know, the unstoppable force against the immovable object. It'll, it'll be it'll be really yeah. fun to watch, too. And we'll move on to the East now. Um, you've got the Milwaukee Bucks. They won 60 games. They're the overall number one seed out of, you know, both conferences. So if they, if they get to the finals, they'll automatically be the home team uh, in that series. Or they'll have home home team advantage. Sorry, home court. But anyway, you have the Bucks. They'll be taking on the Pistons. You've got the Toronto Raptors and the Orlando Magic. You've got the Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn Nets, and then you've got the Celtics and the Pacers as the four or five matchup. Uh, what are you thinking there? Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of shocked. Boston finished fourth. Um. Yeah, but, they, they they were disappointing this season. I, I was surprised by that too. You remember what Bill Simmons said before the year when he was just <laughs> yeah. he was going on that that whole thing about the Celtics, like they're going to win sixty seven games. They're going to be up by forty in the fourth quarter of the majority of their games. And blah blah blah. For so for them to be this bad, I, or not bad, but you know this disappointing, I think it's hilarious. But <clears throat> life comes at you fast, man. You know, I, I think the most entertaining series in, is probably going to be Brooklyn and Philadelphia, um, because I, I love Brook. I love watching Brooklyn. They're really exciting. They're a young team. They don't have a lot of playoff experience either. <clears throat> but uh, you know, Philadelphia is kind of kind of funky. Like they 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 haven't really gelled yet all season, and yet they still have fifty one wins, which is good. But you know, considering you know, looking at their starting lineup on paper, you'd be like, "Damn, this team should probably win like 60, 65 games." Yeah, and and Brooklyn's been causing a lot of trouble for for other teams this year, and um, you know, D'Angelo Russell has been uh, pretty incredible. Um, he's I think getting he's, paid this summer. Yeah, he's getting paid. He's better than Kimball Walker. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> you know, they got Joe Harris. They've got all you know all those guys that. <clears throat> Um, I mean, they, they, they're just a night, they're going to be a nightmare for anybody they face in the playoffs. I bet Boston is actually, um, pretty thankful that they finished fourth instead of third. So they don't have to play Brooklyn. Yeah. I think as far, as far as being like really close, I could see the Celtics Pacers series being close. And like you said, I, I think the Sixers and Nets series will be, be fun too. But the one I'm keeping my own my eyes on uh is that toronto raptors orlando magic series because even though lebron is gone you know the raptors they still have some uh some demons they've got to get rid of there you know as far as choking in the playoffs and then you've got this orlando magic team that hasn't been to the playoffs and 
Ah, shoot. I think it's been 84 years. years. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I I think it's been more like six, but yes. (laughs) And not only that, but they're the hottest team in the East right now. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. That's the best. Uh, that's the best record in the last 10 out of any other team uh, in the East. So they're playing really good basketball. You know, there was uh, there was a time towards the end of the season where they were, like, flirting with not even making the playoffs. It was them in Miami for a while, and then they just went on this streak, and they got up all the way to the seventh seed. So uh, I think that'll be fun to watch. Uh, Nikola Vucevic has been incredible this year. First time, first time he was an all-star was this season. And, you know, there's a lot of people that expect him to be on the, you know, the Mavs free agency list this summer too. So that'll be another reason to watch, you know, see how he performs uh, in the playoffs. So that that's my matchup for the East. Uh, overall, I think we've got a lot of really good first-round matchups. Uh, when the dust settles, I still expect it to be the Warriors and the Bucks in the in the finals this year and from there I don't know what's going to happen because I'm not going to underestimate Giannis but we'll see yeah um so so are you are you wanting me to give my prediction for the finals because mine's different yeah go ahead um don't at me everybody who listens to this but um if you say the spurs I'm, I'm hanging up no, I told you they're not going to make it through. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be Milwaukee and Houston. And I hate saying that because uh, I hate Houston <laughs> so much. Um, but Golden State just seems like they don't care. But, like, but dude, that's always how. You know, but, everybody. But, like that, but I, I know what you're going to say. And they're, you know, they're, they're going to turn it on in the playoffs. They're too talented to lose, whatever. But, like, seriously. How how many times can you do that, and and like eventually it's gonna bite you in the ass, is it not? Like it has to bite them in the ass at some point. I mean, in the year that Kevin Durant's gonna leave, and Draymond Green is a turd. Like, <laughs> look ser- seriously. Like, let it, me say it, this is the year that's gonna bite them in the ass. I, I'm I'm gonna bet on it. If they in their last ten, I'm just looking at the standings here. So they're. They're eight and two in their last ten as well. So, you know, they're playing good basketball right now towards the end of the season. Uh, out of all the playoff teams in the West, they've got the you know the best plus minus differential. You know, they they're winning all their games by a margin of six and a half points. The only the only team that's better in the entire league is the Bucks at a massive eight point nine points per per win. Uh, so, I mean, they're playing good basketball. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. And like I said, like I was going to say earlier, once you get to the playoffs, it's just different. You know, they're, they're good enough to where they can flip that switch, even if they have won two straight uh, NBA titles. So, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've just seen it happen so many times before. It's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> until somebody actually beats them, I'm just going to assume they're unbeatable because Houston had them, you know, they had them last year. You know, it was it was right there for the taking. And then, wouldn't you know it, Chris Paul blows a hammy. So, I mean, I don't know. I just – it kind of just feels like they were they were meant to win until that, that roster breaks up. 
yeah, um, I don't know. I, I just think this might actually end up being the year that it bites him in the ass. You know, maybe I'm wrong, um, but the well, the Rockets have have been able to manage Chris Paul's minutes this year. You know, some of it due to injury, some of it due to whatever else. But I don't know. I just I feel like it's the end for Golden State. I really do. Well, we'll find even, out. Even, sorry, even if even if Houston's not the one that beats them, the Bucks will. Well, we'll find out soon enough. It's going to be a fun playoffs, regardless. Uh, like I said, you've got some you've got some potential free agents to keep an eye on that the Mavs are going to surely have on their list. Whether it's pipe dream guys like Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, uh, maybe Chris Middleton with the Bucks, but then you've also got guys like. Vucevic with the Magic as a seven seed, and uh, let's see who else we got here. Just looking at the standings, that's really all I can think of. Just looking at the at the playoffs teams. Mm, I guess Danny Green with Toronto that that would be a good pickup for for Dallas, but he's a lot further down the list uh, for some of your from some of your top tier guys. But anyway, it's going to be a Boyan. Boyan. Yeah, with the Pacers. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good one to keep your He's been he's been a beast this year, dude. He is he is killing it. Yeah, the, um, I saw I saw somebody on Twitter earlier who who was putting up some stats with him and Jason Tatum and he just like blew Tatum stats out of the water this year. That's one <laughs> it's reason. just like, whoa. Jason Tatum and uh and Jalen Brown, I think their performances this year have been part of the reason why the Celtics haven't been as good as as, as expected. But that being said, I mean you kind of you kind of thought that there was there would be some issues getting uh, the rotations right, having Hayward come back because he didn't play all last year. So, I mean you you kind of foresaw them having a little bit of trouble, but just not as much as they have. Well, I thought it was going to be more of a, you know, a thing where it's just like they're kind of weighed down by their riches, like, yeah, <laughs> like oh, poor Celtics, they have you know too many good players to play. But it's kind of been the opposite. Like everybody's button heads and clashing, and it seems like kind of a train wreck. I mean, I, <clears throat> I put I I'm ashamed to admit this, but I put money on them to win the championship uh, as soon as the future odds became available on. Uh, you know, in Vegas, I I immediately went and I put a hundred dollars on the Celtics to win, win the championship this year. <laughs> well, and good I've, luck to I've, you. <laughs> I've regretted that every day. Well, look, oh, well, we we could talk about this forever, but we're gonna wrap it up here. Another quick note before we end this thing. You know, Dirk, we're not gonna get to see him in the playoffs again, unfortunately. But one bright side we can we can take from that is. He ends his postseason career averaging 25 points and exactly 10 rebounds per game. So he That's preserves pretty. he preserves his playoff double double. That's pretty and, impressive. And Matt, do not hang up on me here, but I told you I was going to say it. You know, Dirk, he's taken his horse to the old town road, and he's ridden it until he can't ride it anymore. <laughs> he's Matt, I hate you. <laughs> I, I legit thought you hung up. I, you said you would. But I was hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> I had to do Dude, that. 
Uh, no, that was terrible. No, I think it was great. I think a lot of people will like that. But one thing, yeah, well, let us know, everyone. How how much do you hate that song? Please, you guys, real. please tell Matt to get on the bandwagon here. That is a good song. It's not a good song. It's it not is. a good song. It is exactly. a shit. It's a shit song that is. <laughs> That is only popular because it is in fact terrible, and everybody thinks it's funny. It's like no. it's like it's like the Donald <laughs> Trump of music. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh my god! Okay, but 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 <laughs> what I'm going to close on is um, another thing, another stat that I saw earlier tonight, which was uh, kind of eye popping. Um, you know, I, I tweeted um, that. Dirk made his last shot, and he, his last game was a you know, 2010 double-double, and you know the gif of Will Ferrell cl- crying in the vibrating chair with the <laughs> with the wine. And um, somebody re- replied to it. They said, uh, "You know, D Wade finished with a triple-double." It's just like, okay, I don't care. But then somebody replied to that and said, "Yeah, well, the last time Dirk played a game as a 37-year-old, he was in the playoffs." <laughs> Sick burn. So, <laughs> Mike dropped D Wade. You lose again. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm glad the the world tour ended in the regular season, and we don't have to, you know, drag that on into the playoffs. So, God, that would have been so obnoxious. <laughs> By the way, I want I want to after you guys are done listening to this podcast, I want to encourage you to go to uh, the 105.3 The Fan uh, website. And listen to Skin Wade's rant on yes. Dwayne Wade from if a couple of days ago. If you haven't done it, please go do it. It's the best thing I've heard this season. And you know the the backstory is I think you've probably most of you have probably heard it by now. But Dwayne Wade, you know, said that he doesn't want people chanting "We want Wade, we want Wade," and it seemed like a direct shot at Dirk. And um, I don't care what people say. It was a direct it, shot. It was. I, I, it definitely was. But uh, Skin ended him on that radio segment. It, it's it's hysterical. Every bit of it, it's true. And um, I would advise you to go check that out. Absolutely. Well, guys, we appreciate you coming back and you know uh, listening to this this final podcast of the regular season. Obviously, we're going to keep coming back every week and giving you, you know, the best Mavs content available. Uh, we'll keep you updated all summer with the Mavs moves, you know, whether they keep their pick or not, and then going into free agency. Regardless, it's going to be a fun summer. It's going to be a great season next year. It's been fun. We hope you've enjoyed it. We've only been doing this since January, but uh, it's been it's been something special to see this thing take off the way it has, and, I mean, we just really appreciate it. Matt? Yeah, uh, I also want to encourage you to go look at DallasBasketball.com. Uh, we have a lot of lot of really, really good stuff uh, up right now. Matthew Postens wrote uh, like 8,000-some words on Dirk uh, that, that we published. Every single one of them was good, too, um, about uh, you know his experience watching Dirk from the beginning to the very end. It's it's very good read. A long read, but it's very good, and I encourage you to check that out. I've got some donuts up that recap, um, the recap the entire night and Dirk's final home game. 
Uh, Dalton's got a couple of really good pieces up. He recapped the game, um, and he also has a, a Trey Young, Luka Doncic um, <clears throat> comparison and, you know, why it's not going to be a close rookie of the year race. And then our buddy Bobby Belt, who's a, a Cowboys guru these days, but, you know, he still does some Mavs stuff for us every now and then. He counts down in two separate pieces uh Dirk's 10 most important games. And we've got more coming down the pipe this week, too. So it's going to be a really content-filled week. So keep your eyes peeled on that. Yep, definitely check out all those pieces. Uh, We've got more coming this week. Uh, We're always turning out piece after piece at DallasBasketball.com. And like I said, just because the season's over doesn't mean it's going to stop. Uh, We're still keep coming back every week, and we're going to keep giving you your Mavs fix. So... Guys, we appreciate it again, and we hope you have a great weekend and enjoy the NBA playoffs that's about to start. And, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to the draft lottery on May 14th. So have a good one. We'll see you guys next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.